If you will, please turn to the 10th chapter of the book of Hosea. And I want to read verses 11 and 12. It becomes a kind of a challenge to be able to bring a sermon that in some way relates to the occasion that we observe as the kind of a baccalaureate back in the Stone Ages before the invention of the wheel. When I was a senior, we had baccalaureate services, always on the hottest night of the year. You always got the longest winded speaker. It's not the hot, hottest night of the year, but you do have the longest winded speaker still. I mean, <laughs> but I'm going to make it uh, as best I can this morning as something that relates to all of us, not just graduates. And I'm going to do it in, a, in 20 minutes. <laughs> Believe it or not. That's, that's my graduation present from you. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 11, And Ephraim is a trained heifer. Chapter 10 of verse, verse 11. Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thrash. But I will come over her fair neck with a yoke. I will harness Ephraim. Judah will plow. Judah, Judah, Jacob will harrow for himself. So with a view to righteousness. If you have a King James, it's so to yourself righteousness. Reap in accordance with kindness, for it is time to seek the Lord until He comes to rain righteousness upon you. Now I've tried to make a point uh, in the sermons that I've preached in the last year or so to establish that there are some fixed laws in the universe that, that cannot be broken or altered or changed. Uh, the law of gravity is one. And that when God established His universe, He established some laws by which that universe was governed. And you don't break the law of gravity. You might ignore it or violate it, but you don't break it because it is a law that cannot be altered, changed, or broken. And he reserves some laws within the spiritual realm for himself. The law of provision, the law of possession. And a law in verse 12 that we've not discussed, it's called the law of sowing and reaping. It is amazing how often the Bible refers to the law of sowing and reaping. That is, that you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And what he's saying in this passage is that God wants to rain, R-A-I-N, wants to rain down righteousness of, of blessing and forgiveness and love upon His people. But they are prevented, for there is that law of sowing and reaping. They have not sown to righteousness. They have sown to unrighteousness. And He's prevented. And what he's saying is this, that there are some things that have to happen before God can pour out His blessing upon His graduates or upon His people. There are some things, some matters that have to be sown before that can happen. And here it is. God is saying, I cannot rain, I will not rain upon fallow ground. Fallow ground. Now what is fallow ground? Fallow ground is ground that was once productive and fruitful and useful. 
But because of neglect or poor cultivation, it has become unproductive and useless and fruitless. When I was uh, out in West Texas in the 70s, the government came up with a new uh, agricultural program. And there was a surplus of certain uh, items like corn and wheat, etc. And so they came up with a program called the Soil Bank. What it was was this, that the government actually paid the farmers for not planting anything. And so they'd put their land in what they call the soil bank. That meant that they didn't touch the ground. They just let it sit. And they paid them for not growing corn and wheat. It was kind of a strange sight to see maybe a hundred acres of land sitting out in the middle of this fertile, irrigated land that was just grown up in weeds, uncultivated and unproductive. What a description of the lives of many of us. There was a time when we were productive and useful and fruitful. And we read our Bibles and we prayed and we were consistent in our morning devotional. And we worshipped and we witnessed. But something has happened and the land has become fallow land. And I think that for some of us we have come to a place where we don't want to be disturbed. We're satisfied with the status quo. To be content with the unfertile and the unproductive and the unfruitful. Fallow ground. And God is saying, I will not pour out my blessing. I will not bless you, graduates, until that fallow ground has been broken up. And then he draws this marvelous analogy and says, Ephraim is like a a heifer that loves to thrash, a fat cow. What is he talking about there? Well, in that day, they would get these old get an ox, an old fat cow, and they would hook her up to a thrashing device. You've seen pictures of them. I mean, the guys that train horses now use them. I've seen them on a little farm between here and Denison where they just kind of walk them around, hooked up to this device, around and around. And he said, Ephraim, look at the picture. Ephraim loves to be the thrashing cow because it doesn't require any thought. I mean, they can just walk around and around and never even think about it. They can do that with her eyes closed. And if they get hungry, if she gets hungry, all she has to do is bend down and get some corn off the thrashing floor because the law said that you don't muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads the corn. What he's saying is this. Israel's saying, Ephraim is saying, give me a religion that didn't cost me anything. Give me a walk with God that requires no cost. That's what I want. You know what happens every time we come to church, Sunday after Sunday, and we go through the motions and the ritual and the performance of religion? You know what we're doing? We're treading the corn. I mean, some of us can sing these songs and never even think about the words we're saying. And we do that. And we can say prayers to God. We've said them so often and they're all the same. And we never even think about the words we're saying. And some of us this morning can close our eyes and we know what's going to be next on the art of service. I mean, we've done it so often. We tread out the corn and what we're saying is this. God, give me a grace that's cheap. I want a religion, a religious practice that makes no demands. That's what I want. Give me a faith in God that asks no sacrifice. And God said, no, it won't work that way. In order for me to bless your life, there are certain things that you're going to have to do. 
I want to list four of them. Listen carefully. Before God can pour out righteousness upon His people, a blessing and forgiveness before revival can come, there must first of all be a personal examination, evaluation. Did you notice how personal this text is? King James has it, sow to yourself righteousness. Jacob will hallow his ground. Break up your ground. The place to start is with you. The place to start is with you. It's when you and I are willing to say, it's not my mother or my father, my sister or my brother. It's me that stands in the need of prayer. And I can always tell just before God begins to pour out His blessing upon His people, it's when I start hearing people pray for themselves as though they were drawing a, a circle around themselves and calling out to God to begin to do something within that circle. I was talking to a guy last evening about the condition of the modern church. The question was, how much do you think the, the, this church is like the early church? Today's church is like the early church. Don't, he, don't you think he said that we've gotten a long way from what we were intended to be? My answer to that is yes, but the place to start is with you, with you graduates. Now it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that we're not what we ought to be as a nation. And we're not what we ought to be as a church. It doesn't take a spiritual man to, to discover that. And everybody has an opinion about what needs to be done and who needs to do it. I ask you to take the challenge and let it begin with you. That word righteousness there in the text is an interesting word. It's not the normal word that's used in the Hebrew for righteousness. That is, the imputed righteousness from God to man. It really is a word that means to conform to the norm. It means in relationships with others. And what Hosea is saying is this. If you want God to pour out His blessing upon you and your home and your church and your nation, then you just need to start doing what is right. You don't need to go back to Falls Creek. You don't need to come to church anymore to understand what you and I need to be doing. We just need to start doing it. Personal evaluation. I'm asking you this morning, in light of this high time in the life of these graduates, for all of you to come to a place of honest evaluation. What needs to be done? Not with others. Let's stop playing the blame game. Let's stop pointing the finger evaluating somebody else. What do you need to do? so that God can pour out His blessing. Personal evaluation. Second, there must be a time of painful cultivation. Break up the fallow ground, hence of pain. Break up the fallow ground, hence of a disturbance. In the 13th chapter of Matthew, Jesus tells the parable of the sower and the seeds. And he said, this sower went out to sow, and he cast those seeds out. And there were four types of soils. One soil, he said, one kind of soil was what he called thorny. He meant, it means cluttered, cluttered. And so that seed fell on soil that was cluttered. It is true this morning that our lives are so cluttered that God's Word doesn't have a chance. 
And God's will doesn't have a chance. Listen to me carefully. It's high time. It's the right time for us to decide, ladies and gentlemen, who is going to be first. It's high time, graduates, this is the key time. I've always been impressed by the fact that when a young person, a high school student, when he begins to approach the graduation of his, in his senior year, I have noticed this time and time again. One, one year I had four young men to surrender to preach the last month of their senior year. Three of them are now pastoring churches. There's something about the approaching of this critical time in their life when they know there's just something instinct within them that makes them come to a moment of decision about what is, has priority. You ever notice that? I'm not just speaking to college graduates. I, I think it's high time this morning that we decided where God fits in to our lives. What is first? And it is so essential, it is so important that we ask ourselves this question. What is there in my life that stands between all between me and all that God wants me to be? And there is this, it is important that we ask ourselves this question. What in my heart, what do I want in my heart first, most of all? It's time to come to that decision. Because I promise you that there are so many things that clutter life up and so many opportunities and so many temptations and so many privileges that the Word of God doesn't have a chance. Painful cultivation. Somebody came up to Ron Dunn, a preacher friend, and said to him, said, I've just, I, I found out, I think, uh, what, is the, what is the way to God? What's the, what, how you get to God? The way to God. He said... The way you get to God is by praise. He said, I've come to the conclusion that praise is the key that unlocks the door into the presence of God. And he said, if people will just learn how to praise, and he talked about lifting his hands and all that, if they just knew how to praise, that's the way to God. Ron Dunn said this. He said, if, that, if it is true that those people are up to date with God and prayed up and their lives have no unconfessed sin, that may, be well, may well be the way to God. But he said, it doesn't matter if a, if a backslidden Christian comes into And who can ascend into His presence? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart and hath not sworn himself to falsehood. The way to God is by painful cultivation from your life those things that keep you from being what you ought to be. Third, before God will reign righteousness, there must be persistent supplication. It's high time to seek the Lord. How long am I to seek the Lord? Well, he said, till he comes. And every time I read that, I, I think of Jacob wrestling with the angel of God. And, and Jacob said, I'll not let you go until you bless me. You talk about a rigged fight. That was a rigged fight. You think that angel couldn't have whipped Jacob with one finger? He, he could have. He, 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 he did. If he'd have wanted to, he could have wiped him out with one little finger. 
but he wrestled with him all night. And I can just hear Jacob saying under his breath, Let me go, but I hope you don't. But Jacob knew that, that if you persist, God will bless you. Now let me tell you, young people, listen to me, folks. Sometimes getting a hold of God doesn't come overnight. And oftentimes, you know, to lay hold of God, it, since it doesn't happen just automatically or immediately, we, we get discouraged and we want to give up. It's persistence. And I don't understand this, but I do know this, that there is something about persistence that God loves and so Jesus told two parables about prayer, and both of those parables had to do with persistence, with importunity, with hanging in there and refusing to back away because God tests our desires with persistence. And the kind of hunger He desires to see in us is this kind of hunger that says, I'll die, I'll starve to death if I don't get to God. It's the kind of persistence that says, I want to walk with God and I want God's blessing upon my life and I want to be known more than I want to be happy, I want to be holy. And that, just, that, pers- that obsession becomes the basis of persistence. And this is what God seems to be saying from this text. That God does for us what we do for ourselves. In other words, God says, You sow to yourselves righteousness. You let me see that you want to be right and you want to do right. You let me see that you desire to be right more than you desire any other thing. And when I see that in you, I'll pour my righteousness upon you. And that's what Jesus meant when he gave that difficult utterance and he said, Unto whom, unto him who has much, much shall be given. But unto him who hath not, it shall be taken away even what he has. Strange saying. What Jesus meant was this that when God sees that this is what you want more than you want anything else, and you sow that, and you sow that, and you sow that, that He's going to pour out His rain of righteousness upon you. For what God is saying is this, that we set the limit and the measure of His own blessing upon us. One last thought, please. In order for there to be a rain of righteousness, there must be a conscious exaltation. There must be a conscious exaltation. And so he said, Seek the Lord. The Lord. Now that's excruciating, isn't it? Are you, are you, are you listening? It is excruciating to surrender one's life to someone else. It's excruciating, difficult. Nobody wants to do that, really. I mean, we come into this world as babes demanding first place. You ever tried to break... You, parents, have you ever tried to break your kid from sleeping with you? I remember one time, my daughter, my older daughter, she loved to sleep with us. She'd come out and get out of her bed and go, 
get in our bed. And, and one night I decided it's time to break that habit. I have horrible memories of that night. <laughs> I mean, literally. I mean, it was, it was terrible. It, it went on until 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. We were all crying before it was over. I mean, she was not the only one having a screaming fit. You know what was happening there at 2 o'clock in the morning in that little house in West Texas? We were deciding who was in control. And that was an excruciating experience for a little girl about three years old, two or three years old. It's not easy to do that, is it? It's not easy to say, I want you to be the Lord of my life, is it? Never is it easy. It's not easy when you're a senior. It's not easy when you're a freshman. It's not easy when you're an old man like me. It's just not easy. Let me ask you, do you really want some other spirit to possess you? Do you really want that? I know you want His blessing, and I know you want His, His, His mercy, and I know you want His, His benefits, and I know you want His answers, but do you want His Lordship? Do you really want to say, I'll turn over the keys of my life to you so that I won't even have keys to my own house. I'll go and come, as you say. Do you really want that? Do you really want another personality taking control of your life when you know that personality requires obedience to His written and living Word? Do you really want that? Do you really want to surrender your life to another personality who will not allow self-sins like self-love, self-admiration, self-aggrandizement, or self-pity. Do you really want that? Do you really want to surrender the control of your life to one who stands in opposition to the world and to the easy way and who will bring you in opposition to it? Do you really want that? Do you really want to say to Him, I surrender the control of my life to you? I was looking at the comics this week, maybe 25 minutes. I was looking at the comics this week, and, and there, was, there, there was Lucy. She was coming up behind Charlie Brown. He was lying back in his little chair, and, and she has this notepad in her hand, and she says, I'm supposed to make a report on why we're here. And Charlie Brown said, who knows? And the next frame she said, well, it's easier than I thought. I mean, easy report, who knows? I know. And you know. And it knows. The reason why you're here. The reason why you're here. Is to glorify God. And to love and serve Him forever. And if you don't, You've missed the mark of life. I'm going to tell this story and I'm through. I, uh, I listened. Some of you were here the other night, so you just kind of put it in neutral if you want. I, I listened to the finest missionary speaker I've ever heard in my life. Most of them I kind of nod off on when I hear them. But this guy came Thursday night and he gave one of the most magnificent messages I've ever heard in my life. He's a missionary to Japan, not a Southern Baptist. A missionary to, Southern, to, to Japan, he's from South Africa. Now get this picture. 
a friend of his from South Africa was headed on the bullet train down to where he lived to visit him in Japan. From South Africa, a friend on the bullet train headed down to, to where he was in Osaka. Put that over here and remember that. Now, a flashback. Here's this Japanese, and it's, it's the first of the year for, the, for their year, and he's going down to the temple to worship. One time a year they go, and there's so many of them that they just kind of go in, you know, in, in, in groups, and they go in for about five minutes, and they come out, and the next ones go in. And on his way down to worship Buddha, like Saul of Tarsus, he saw a bright light that almost blinded him, and he heard this audible voice saying, Seek Jesus, just two words. And he said, when he opened his eyes, he expected to be blind. He opened his eyes and he thought, I'll see everybody around me, thousands of people prostrate on their faces before the light. And he, he realized that nobody but him saw the light. And he said, I listened to their conversation expecting that I would hear them talk about that audible voice. And all of a sudden it dawned on him that nobody heard the voice but him. Seek Jesus. So the next morning he got up and started to seek Jesus. He asked every one of his friends, he went up and down the street, can you give me an address? Do you know where this man Jesus lives? Nobody had ever heard of him. He said, we don't know where he lives. We don't even know who he's talking about. And one day he came to a man. He asked, can you give me an address of a man named Jesus? I'm supposed to find him. I'm supposed to seek him. And the guy said, oh, there isn't such a man as that. That's the foreigner's God. And he thought, if he's the foreigner's God, all i got to do is find a foreigner. He can tell me where he is. Well, he, he got dressed like a foreigner. He got on a three-piece suit. He got on the bullet train. Remember the bullet train? He got on the bullet train because that's where all the foreigners were. And the first man he met, he went up to him and he bowed real deeply and said, Sir, may I ask you a question? Do you know Jesus? And the man began to say, Well, I, you know, I go to Sunday school, church, you know, I pray. And, and, and he, he interrupted him and he bowed deeply again and he said, I need to ask a second question. How well do you know the man Jesus? And he could tell by the embarrassed look on his face that the man didn't know him that well. And so the seeker said, May I tell you my story? And he told about the blinding light and the audible voice. No blinding lights, no audible voice, but it's time for us to seek Jesus. Let's bow and pray. Father, I pray that in this precious moment of decision and truth that every heart, beginning with me, personally, we would examine our lives for the things that need to be cultivated away and that we would seek the Lord till He comes and 
rains righteousness upon His people. Let it begin today. That is the quest for Jesus. The quest for life. The quest for what it's all about. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look here. There are three invitations this morning. One invitation is for you to come and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe inside of you there's this little tug that says, you need something else. You're empty. You're, there's a hole here that's not filled. You, maybe there's a little tug that says, you need to seek Jesus. Come this morning. Come now. Come right. You see, God, you're not, you're not going to get right with God when you get ready. You're going to get right with God when He gets ready. This is God's high time. Time for you to be saved. No other time promised in this precious moment. Come this morning and give your heart to Jesus. If you pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, I've sinned and I'm sorry. I can't save myself. I invite you into my heart to be my Savior. I commit my heart and life to you as my Lord. I trust you and you alone. Nobody else, no thing else, just you. I trust you. Would you pray that prayer? Would you pray it as you got out of your in the aisle and came forward, praying it as you come? Then there may be some this morning who need to come and join the church. Or maybe some of you who are Christians, but you're not the right kind. God is not happy, and you're not happy with the way it has been. Come this morning seeking the Lord. While we stand to sing, we invite you to come.